With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. On September 14th, 2014, 23-year-old Hannah Witheridge and 24-year-old David Miller, who'd only just met by chance on Katow, were talking at the AC bar. The pair, both from the UK, left the bar together around 1 a.m. It was the last time either of them was seen alive. Early the next morning, on September 15th, a beach cleaner found their partially clad bodies. David was floating in the water. Hannah was found on the sand, the waves lapping over her. Near the crime scene was a pile of clothes, cigarette butts, and a used condom. Detectives discovered a garden hoe covered in blood near their bodies. An autopsy revealed that David had scratches on his back and water in his lungs, indicating he'd drowned. Hannah's body was covered in defensive wounds, bruising, and scratches. Their deaths sparked international outrage and questions about a lack of justice on Katow. Welcome to Death Island, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Episode 4, The Case of Hannah Witheridge and David Miller. I'm Connor Powell, an investigative journalist at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker, Courtney Armstrong, Andrew Arnau, and Jeff Shane. Their bodies were found early this morning at a popular beach not very far from the bungalow where they're staying. They believe they were killed, probably beaten to death sometime late last night. This is an island in shock. Two brutal murders right on the very beaches which have drawn so many visitors here. The case of Hannah Witheridge and David Miller is a clear-cut murder. But who is responsible for their deaths? This will be the start of the most explosive case in Katow's history. 
Here's Stephanie and Connor. We've seen a lot of recordings and news clips regarding Hannah. Her family describes her as beautiful and intelligent. She was a loving young woman who brought so much joy into many people's lives. In their statement, they said, quote, she was selfless and caring and she made every day a little bit more wonderful. Our family are utterly devastated and shocked by what has happened to our beautiful Hannah, end quote. It's frankly an unimaginable level of grief. And David Miller had just completed a civil engineering course at the University of Leeds. His family in Jersey said the break in Thailand was well-deserved. He was due to come home to complete a master's for his degree. And in a statement that they released, they said David was an artist by temperament. So talented, he had a creative eye that he carried with him throughout life and in his degree. He was hardworking, bright, and conscientious with everything to look forward to. David was very giving to his family and friends, and we all adored him. He will be sorely, sorely missed. By all accounts, they had their whole lives ahead of them. So here's what we know, the details of what happened in the moments prior to Hannah and David's murder. They're still a little bit sketchy, but here's what we know. On August 25th, 2014, Hannah and David arrived to the island separately. Hannah was traveling with three friends, and David was with two others. And we know that Hannah and David met for the first time on Kotal while staying at the same hotel. On September 14th, 2014, Hannah and David were seen at the AC bar partying and drinking with each other and other friends. They left the bar sometime around 1 a.m. together on September 15th. That's the Monday, 2014. Hannah and David's bodies were then found around 5 a.m. in the morning. As the investigation started to take shape, very little reliable information was coming from investigators. When the news of Hannah and David's murders broke, Jonathan Samuels was one of the first reporters on the ground. So I was living in Sydney. I was the Australia correspondent for uh, Sky News, and uh, I got the phone call from the foreign desk saying that a couple of backpackers had been murdered on this island of Koh Tao, and it was all looking uh, uh, very serious. They were British, they were young, and could I get out there as soon as possible? So I pretty much got the next plane to Thailand, and it's quite um, it's quite a convoluted route actually to get to Koh Tao. There's no airstrip, so you have to get a boat. And that boat, even the fastest one, takes three hours. But as you approach, you are stunned really by the beauty of the place, this sort of towering jungle in the middle, the beautiful uh, beaches around the edge and this crystal clear water and the fishing boats that are bobbing away and people in and out of the sea. And we pulled up against the pier and we got out and uh, I was struck by the, the beauty of the place, but also straight away we got a sense of the sadness because not far from where the boat dropped us off uh, was the, the crime scene where Hannah and David's bodies had been found. It was desperately sad and I can remember it still now. All those young backpackers from all around the world, all sorts of nationalities, all still in a state of shock. Now, this was sort of 36, 48 hours after the bodies had been discovered and people were still in tears. They were hugging each other. Word spread quickly around the island and police were trying to determine a timeline of events. Can you just give an overview of their deaths and then talk about the crime scene as you understood it? They were on a bar. They left very late. They walked together along Syri Beach. They were walking along the beach, which just is effectively underneath their hotel. If they'd looked up that night, they probably would have been able to see their own hotel rooms and the safety of their own hotel. But at some point they were jumped 
and they were very aggressively attacked. Tom Stone produced and directed a documentary called Murder in Paradise about the mysterious deaths on Katow. Connor asked him to walk through what happened. A cleaning crew had discovered Hannah and David's bodies in the morning. Their bodies are found on the beach, one is floating in the sea, in the shallows. David Miller and Hannah Witheridge are violently attacked. Hannah is raped. A garden hose found at the scene covered in blood, which is believed to be the murder weapon. The person to raise the alarm is Montrewat Tuichian, a local businessman, owns a number of businesses. His family is very well known on the island and he raises the alarm and I interviewed him and he talked me through what he saw. He talked me through his horror at seeing Hannah Witheridge and David Miller on the beach. Connor also spoke with Sue Buchanan, an author who wrote a book about the deaths on Katow called The Curse of the Turtle, The True Story of Thailand's Backpacker Murders. She was living on a nearby island when Hannah and David were murdered. And so with Hannah and David, I mean, tell us what you know about their deaths. And was that really shocking when you heard about it? I wasn't shocked about that. I was shocked they were found on Siree Beach because I'm like, well, who would dare murder a British couple on Tuichian territory? You have to be madder than a bag of fish to leave that kind of mess on a mafia-owned beach. Like, forget the police. You can pay the police. You can't leave that kind of mess on, on Warapan's patch. I mean, like, what the fuck? Locals and expats refer to the handful of families who control Katow as the Mafia. The Tavichian family is one of those families. Montreat Tavichian is the brother of Warapan Tavichian, the chief of the island. Montreat controlled Sari Beach and owned the AC Bar, the place where Hannah and David were last seen alive. He talked as well about going to contact the, um, the local police. Sergeant Apachet Cherduga was the first Thai officer on the scene and spoke to the documentary filmmaker Tom Stone. The Royal Thai Police opened a murder investigation. Here again, Jonathan Samuels, followed by Sue Buchanan. Now at that time, there were just six police officers on the island, and it was their job to then get to the bottom and investigate what was a very brutal attack and murder. Can you describe the crime scene? I've covered crime scenes all over the world, a huge number in the UK and Europe, but elsewhere as well. And I've never seen a crime scene as chaotic as as this was. I mean, for a start, we were all allowed so close. Now, normally with a crime scene, there's a tape a long way away from where the incident happened. And certainly the media aren't allowed anywhere near. And yet there were photographers, there were camera crews, there were journalists pretty much walking all over the site, which didn't really seem to be even taped off any longer. Now, it may have been taped off in the, in the initial few hours, but when we got there, um, all that had pretty much gone out of the window. People were trampling across the sand where the bodies had been found. People were taking photographs. People were taking selfies, which I thought was particularly uh, distasteful. And there wasn't really a police presence at all. I mean, there may have been one or two police officers, but they certainly weren't holding the the, the crowds back. Um, uh, And straight away, that, that concerned me. All of the rescue groups in Thailand, they have Facebook pages, right? They have Facebook groups. So if you want to find out what's going on on the island, you just go onto one of these rescue groups because they just take photographs of whatever's happened. The most gruesome, disgusting photographs you could possibly imagine and all the rescue teams do is put it on their facebook page 
So to find the crime scene pictures was nothing more than just tapping into Kotao Rescue, and there's all these photographs. The photos from the crime scene are graphic. Hannah was hit several times in her head and face and had a severe injury to her skull. David had been hit by a blunt object and had deep gashes across his skull. He's lying in very shallow water. He's got complete death pallor, no coloration to his extremities, no coloration to his lips. His, his hands sticking out of the water like a flagpole. This is obviously in rigor mortis. He's been there for a while. But the next picture shows the rescue team carrying him out of the water where he's not got rigor mortis and the ocean is so full of blood, the ocean's red. Well, as a dive instructor, I know how much blood you've got to put into the water for it to show up. So I'm like, this guy's gushing with blood. You know, dead people don't bleed. In fairness to the Kotal police, the crime scene was a tough location to secure. David was found in water near the rocks, and Hannah was found on the shore on Sari Beach, a beach with tons of foot traffic. Let's say they did everything right. Let's say the police were well-trained, and they immediately roped off and secured the, the crime scene. Given its location from what you saw, it's rocky, there's the ocean, the tide comes up. It's a party place where there's cigarette butts everywhere, but it's a place where it's well trampled. Is it even a place that could have been properly secured with great police anyways? Well, there's no question it could have been done better because it was a mess. There were people taking photographs of the bodies. There were people wandering around all over the place. They didn't have enough officers to properly secure the scene. Could a more professional police force have done a better job? I think so, yes. And I think that that would have served the country of Thailand much better as well, uh, bearing in mind the criticism they've taken. They simply did not have the set of skills and experience to oversee something as complicated as that. Undoubtedly, it could have been done better. I think that police officers on the mainland would tell you it could have been done better. While it's important to be even-handed about the six officers who were on the island at that time, yes, it could have been done better and they could have gathered better, more credible evidence, I think. The inability of the Thai police to secure the crime scene would be seen as one of the many questionable acts the police made in the investigation into Hannah and David's deaths. There's been a lot of questions about the professionalism of the Thai authorities on the island, the police specifically. Can you just talk a little bit more, elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, for example, there was a lot of talk about the DNA evidence from Hannah and David's bodies. And it transpired that the, the DNA evidence collection or the forensic collection had been particularly cack-handed. And that even put all the forensic material into an old beer box to have it transported back to Bangkok to the main laboratory for, for analysis. Now, how anyone thought that was a good idea, I have no idea. I mean, surely that isn't police procedure. You know, just find the nearest cardboard box, shove everything in it, and hope for the best. So, you know, that's just one example, I think, of where the police on the island were, were completely out of their depth. We want to find out more about the autopsy and DNA evidence, which author Sue Buchanan is on a search for. We'll keep you updated on progress as it unfolds. The crime scene was contaminated within seconds because it took the police quite a long time to get there. And by then, loads of people, including Montuac Chiwichi, and have been trampling all over it. They were comparing that DNA to DNA on cigarette butts and a condom, because like rapists always use condoms, right? And, and a wine bottle. But then every morning, the beach is strewn with cigarette butts and, and bottles. And, and not only that, they were also checking footprints. 
because they found a suspicious footprint in the sand next to Hannah's body. But Hannah's feet are buried in the sand because the tide has been in and gone out. So there wouldn't be any footprints. It's like, what kind of Mickey Mouse show is this? The fact that Montreux Tavichian was walking around the crime scenes after reporting it to the police was concerning. It was on his family's land where the crime occurred. I think that in, in fairness to Montreux Tavichian, what he might have seen on the beach when he got there that morning might have shocked him so badly that he might not necessarily have considered that this is now a live crime scene that needs to be needs to be kept clear. I think that he, he denied doing anything at all to the crime scene at all. And besides, the crime scene itself was pretty difficult to keep sanitised. You've got, you know, uh, seawater, obviously you've got the tide coming in and out, uh, you've got waves. He always insisted that he did his best. But this talks to me for a, a broader point, which I've already raised about infrastructure and services that are offered on that island, which just are not in proportion with the activities that take place there and the many people going there to have the time of their lives. And it's unsurprising in many respects that, that you know, occasionally things like this happen in that, you know, the six police officers that were on that island at the time aren't really equipped for a complicated murder investigation. Jonathan echoes this concern that the local Thai police force on Katao weren't trained for this kind of crime. We did go along to the local police station and I mean, I say police station, it was more of a sort of rickety hut. It was like a beach hut, really. And there was an officer inside there and we interviewed him um, and he did his best to sort of say that everything was was under control and that they'd, they'd find the person responsible pretty quickly. Although for me, judging by what I'd seen at the crime scene, I was like, well, I don't quite know how you're going to do this because um, uh, from the limited amount of knowledge I've got, this seems to be chaos. Let's stop here for a break. We'll be back in a moment. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 
Police asked two British brothers, Christopher and James, not to leave Thailand. They were told they were under watch because they had spent time with Hannah and David prior to their deaths. The brothers willingly gave DNA samples to Thai authorities and ultimately returned to their homeland of the UK. At this point, the Thai police didn't have any additional leads. But you did set out pretty quickly, I think, to search for CCTV, right? Can you explain that? Yeah, so we'd been there two or three days, and it was clear that the police were really struggling with the investigation. They hadn't got any leads. There'd been no sort of formal press conference. There'd been no decent press release. There'd been no witnesses come forward. There was really nothing. And I was beginning to struggle a little bit to, to know what to say in my reports because there was no development. So I went and started to do a bit of digging of my own. And I thought somehow there must be CCTV footage of Hannah and David because we, we knew that they'd been out the night before. I went into uh, one or two of the bars that we knew they'd been into, but straight away was uh, told in no uncertain terms that there was no CCTV and I shouldn't be asking questions. But then I went into one of the shops along the seafront and uh, it was actually a diving school, Bands Diving School, which is pretty prominent. Um, in the middle of the resort and I got chatting to a woman in there who spoke very good English and in fact it turned out she'd been doing a bit of translation for the police when they'd been doing their uh, investigations and questioning people. I said look have you got any CCTV I see the camera on the outside could we have a look through and she was like yeah sure happy to help so we spent a couple of hours trawling through the CCTV and uh, eventually we found a picture of David uh, walking um, just a few hours before uh, he was murdered. And then we found a picture of Hannah doing the same thing. Not together, they were separate, but uh, without any doubt, it was it was certainly both of them. And this was amazing. It was fantastic in the sense that we had the probably the last footage of, uh, of this couple alive. But also it was shocking for me because here was me fresh off the fresh off the boat finding video evidence that the police hadn't already got i mean surely it's the first thing you do as a police officer um go and get cctv to try and get a timeline of exactly who was where and at what time anyway we, we all cast that footage and we hope that that maybe it would prompt people to come forward and offer any information that they might have but it gave me a real sense of just how incompetent the police were I, I want to go back to the CCTV because you guys find the, some of the last pictures of Hannah and David. And then immediately the police released their own sort of video, right? So after what had been a sort of a deafening uh, silence, really, the police did suddenly issue some CCTV. In fact, it wasn't footage. It was just a, a still. And it was of a, a couple the night that Hannah and David had uh, been murdered. And they said that this couple was... Hannah and David, and that anyone who recognised them or whatever should come forward and give them any information. But it was quite clear. I mean, it was patently obvious, looking at this still, that it wasn't Tate. I mean, there's no way it was David and Hannah. For a start, we know from my CCTV footage that uh, David was wearing a T-shirt on the night he died. The guy in this photo was wearing a vest. But what's more, the woman he was with was clearly Asian. She had dark hair. She had dark skin. And Hannah was a, a, as blonde as you can be. So straight away, everyone was like scratching their chins, thinking, well, what what on earth are the police doing? I mean, they must be so desperate to have some sort of lead that they've just grabbed any old photo 
and put it out there. Um, and it just added to that sort of sense that they were completely at sea. We are not the best uh, police in the world, but uh, we try to do our best. We try to bring justice to the victim's family. The local police missteps were building and pressure was mounting internationally and domestically to find the culprit or culprits. People have told us they're now living in fear. Fear that the perpetrator is still out there and that their tourist industry has suffered irreparable damage. During that uh, week or 10 days that I was there, certainly I think the police did realise pretty quickly that they were under a lot of criticism. And that's when the, the second in command from the National Police Force flew onto the island. He came onto the island in a helicopter and took control. Like the families of the victims, local people here desperately want this crime to be solved and the cloud to be lifted from their island. But after four days of false leads and frankly lax investigation, the police admit they're nowhere near naming a suspect, let alone finding the culprit. Again... Connor and Stephanie. The brutality of Hannah and David's death caused an international sensation. This came as Thailand was still reeling from a military coup earlier in the summer that saw a massive crackdown on free speech and public dissent. Let's face it, tourism is a hugely important big part of Thailand. The last thing the Thai government wants is word spreading of these stories, whether that's spreading locally or even worse, around the world. Financially speaking, that affects their bottom line. Yeah, and the Thai military was in no mood to deal with an international firestorm, especially one that would make Thais look bad and risk losing tourism revenue, which at the time accounted for about 15% of their total economy. The Thai authorities were putting a ton of work into solving these cases, but in some ways it almost felt as though they were being performative, almost as if they were putting on a show just to assure tourists that everything was safe and that they were solving this case. Within days, more than 60 police were sent to Koh Tao, including Police Lieutenant General Pena Maiman, who was sent from the mainland and was brought in to oversee the investigation. It was a real show of force. Here's Connor continuing his conversation with Jonathan Samuels. Can you talk about what the police, particularly the commander who came down from Bangkok, what they were sort of putting out there, what they were telling you guys privately, what they were indicating publicly? So the number two came from Bangkok and uh, he wanted to sort of give this air that uh, everything was in control. Now he had landed and uh, he'd get to the bottom of it. And I remember actually uh, sort of doorstepping him. You know, that's when a, when a journalist sort of approaches somebody without a formal sort of interview. And I said, um, how are things going? Have you got anywhere? And he said, uh, yeah, the investigation is, is proceeding well. And I said, are you close to an arrest? And he sort of gave me this strange smile, stared at me and then walked off. It was almost like I was being impertinent you know, asking a question that everybody wanted to know. They did then uh, release some more CCTV, and this time it was footage, and this time it really did feel like progress was being made because it was of a young Asian man, a scrawny-looking guy, and he was running uh, down the road uh, away from the murder scene. He was topless, he was wearing shorts, he was clearly agitated. He became nicknamed the, the, the running man, And I think we all felt at that stage, you know, finally, real progress. This could be the man. This is now the prime suspect. And the internet just went wild. Here again, Stephanie and Connor. Now, the Running Man video is an important piece of evidence. It shows a man wearing only shorts, 
calmly walking towards the in-touch bungalows around 3.45 in the morning. This is the same hotel where David and Hannah were staying. CCTV footage was filming less than 200 meters from the AC bar where Hannah and David were drinking that night and where they would be murdered. At 4.48 a.m., video shows the same man running in the opposite direction of the in-touch bungalows and back towards the AC bar. This was just a few minutes before the bodies were discovered by a beach cleaning crew. So what was this running man up to? Expats and locals on social media went wild about who the identity of this running man was. Which is pretty major, Connor. I mean, just the idea of there being actual video of a potential assailant, that's a huge piece of evidence, unlike many of the other cases that don't have that. I mean, the, the other thing to remember, Connor, about all of this is that there's a huge expat community in Thailand who've been there a long time. Some are there because they're escaping all sorts of stuff at home. Others are there just because they love the, the, the lifestyle. And there's, there was a huge amount of rumor and speculation on social media sites on the internet. And we were sort of keeping an eye on that, but also we were clearly wary that this was from people who weren't journalists who may have uh, you know their own motives for posting stuff. One of the questions that arose during the online discussions was about the weapon or weapons used in the slayings. Remember, Thai police originally reported that only a garden hoe was used to murder Hannah and David. And the other crazy thing is, they said, you know, there's one murder weapon. Well, Hannah's injuries bear absolutely no resemblance to David's injuries whatsoever. He's got tiny little, little stab wounds and a punch knife. Well, unless they'd literally held him down and taken the corner of the hoe and just kind of like pushed it through his face, there's no freaking way on God's sunny earth they'd use the same murder weapon. I mean, it's just not possible. It's completely different murder weapons. Let's stop here for another break. What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. A swim-up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Monday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 
Could the difference in wounds on Hannah and David prove that more than a garden hoe was used in their attack? Connor spoke with the man we're calling David A., a Thai anti-corruption activist who lives in the U.S. He led a crowdsourced web effort to expose Thai corruption and investigated some of the murders on Katow. He had his doubts about the alibi. Let's talk about the garden hoe, because do you think that was the likely cause of death? That that was what police said was the sole instrument of death. But you always I thought... Believe, I believe that it's more like use it to stage the crime scene. And why is that? I don't think it's a garden hoe. I think the garden hoe was kind of not not strong enough. There was some sort of blunt object at behind hit the back of his head. But we see a lot of sharp wound, you know, on his neck, his shoulders, and his face. And what is it? And you it, say a sharp wound. Describe what you think that is. So our our community believe that it's kind of like a push knife. You know, the one that all the all the shark fin ring. So because is a shark fin the, ring something that is common among Thai people on islands? It's very common in the south. You know, those gangsters, those the, the street gang, they like to use those kind of things. And was anyone within Namsed's group known to have a, a shark tooth ring or a push pen yeah. knife? There was one big guy, yeah. out of Namsed gang. He's kind of big. Like he was wearing that kind of ring. And does Namsed have a history of violence? Not Namsed himself, but... His gang, his AC bar, his the DJs, the people who work at the bar, his friends. Yes, those people are, and then his uncle. Yeah, they have the history of violence, yes. One news report stated that there was a fight between David and another man at the AC bar. There was another report that suggested Hannah got into an altercation with an employee at the AC bar. So I'm curious, on a place like Kotal, would there be a lot of CCTV video? A lot, a lot of CCTV videos. And yet Especially, there's no real video of the beach, which is one of the main areas. That's, that's, that's always what happened in Thailand, right? When um, nothing's going on and something fishy, the CCTV always broken. That's why all the Thai people always know it's funny, right? Like, yeah, suddenly the CCTV suddenly disappear or broken. And actually, the people who work at the AC bar told me that the next morning, uh, he was told to to go there to take off the CCTV. The CCTV would have incriminated who? Yeah, somebody in that bar. When Jonathan Samuel was in Katow investigating, he noticed that some people on the island didn't seem to want him asking questions. It didn't take me long before I realized that there was a, a pretty nasty undercurrent underneath this sort of holiday sheen. If, if you scratch a little bit under the surface, you do find this rather dark place. And uh, very quickly after arriving on Kotao, I realized that journalists weren't wanted. People asking questions were not liked. We were uh, intimidated, I think is the right word, quite often by local people. If I sat with the other journalists and we were in a cafe or in a bar or having a meal or whatever, other people would sit very close to us and stare at us in a very intimidating fashion. When we asked too many questions, we were told to, to leave. We weren't given any reasons why. We were just told forcibly that we weren't welcome. So I think as a journalist, it was very frustrating because people didn't want to talk to you. People did sort of lead you down uh, uh, the wrong path to, to try and get you off the scent. And there was a lot of fog, if you like. There was a lot of fog um, in terms of getting to, to what really happened. And one or two of the expats who live on the island had sort of subtly said 
look, things go on on this island that we that people don't like to talk about. The stuff that happens, and it's better not to, to dig too far. And I'm like, well, I'm a journalist, you know, it's my job. And I suppose perhaps I was a bit naive at the time, I don't know. Um, but I've never really come across that before. And, and people talk about the mafia on the island. And it is, I mean, it, it, it's a good word. I mean, it is a good word because the, the island is run a bit like a mafia. And of course, you, you don't double cross the mafia. More on that next time. If you have any information about Hannah Witheridge and David Miller, please contact us at producers at kt-studios.com. For more information and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at kt underscore studios. Death Island is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Connor Powell, Andrew Arnau, Jeff Shane, Chris Kakaro, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Trois. Music by Vanacore Music. Death Island is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.